to you. What? Hey, everybody. Hey, hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to Two Idiots on a Banana. <laughs> There's no bananas present. <laughs> you don't know that. You silly little goose. Uh, welcome back to... Yeah, I don't know. I said welcome back to the episode, and I, I blanked on really what else I could say welcome back to, because I forgot what episode number we're actually on. The episode numbers are weird, so at some point when I actually upload, I will look at the number of episodes that are posted, so when we go to record, we can actually say that. Ooh, can you do that one episode. thing where, like, when you dub, you'll dub over it with, like, a robotic voice? So, like, episode number four. <laughs> what if I just, like, dub over it with, like, my own voice? Oh, no, but I thought the robotic one just was like done. Just, like, four. <laughs> You just know, very monotone. <laughs> nah, comedy doesn't exist here. So we have no idea what to talk about because we didn't actually plan for this. But you brought up a really good point because uh, you said balls before we went live, <laughs> and uh, we sure went did. to uh, we went to a store called Micro Center yesterday. And if you don't know Micro Center, it, I think it's actually nationwide, but it's a computer store, kind of like a Best Buy or like. I don't know, Circuit City doesn't exist anymore. Or like a PC Richards. I don't know. It's pretty much an electronic store, but it focuses way more on like um the like building and gaming aspect of things. So there's way more peripherals there, like headsets, keyboards, monitors. They have 3D printers. It's sort of like a more nerdy a version of heaven. Best Buy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is nerds heaven. And they have like things that Best Buy wouldn't have. You know, they have like like I got standoff screws for building uh, a computer. I was kind of surprised, but at the same time, I was actually like, oh, okay, yeah, it makes sense. I figured that if they have, the, they have a whole build-your-own computer section, so you go there and you can go step-by-step, step. like there's an aisle that's got cases in it, and then you can go and you can get your uh, cable ties and, like, um, cable mod um, cables for your power supply. They have... A whole section for, like, expansion cards, like PCIe expansion cards. They have graphics card section, motherboard section, hard drive. So they have everything there, and you can just go aisle by aisle and get everything you need. And it's actually very, very cool. We actually saw a bajillion graphics cards, which is crazy to see. Yeah, I actually <laughs> kind of surprised myself. Uh, they're still expensive, but they're, like, they're not crazy over MSRP, but they're still relatively up there. Um, they limit one per person, so that's why they still have them in stock. Mm. Um because I remember, so like, even, like, eight all months went ago. in and bought, like, one each. And yeah. So that's still technically under their rules of one per person, right? Sure. But, but I mean, it's they, not, like, like a business like, strategy. Would they consider that they're... No, one per person. Oh, well, that's it. Well, I'm one person, you're one person. No, I know. Person. But, you know, it's just, like, one of those things where it's like, oh, they found a loophole and they're just going to resell them, kind of, you know? What? No, yeah, but that doesn't matter. You that so let's say so the resellers what they were doing was they were buying like fifty at a time yeah, yeah. or like twenty at a time. Yeah, you would need twenty people to go do that, and then what's in it for all twenty people? Mm-hmm. One graphics card. The, it's not like that's nothing. Like the whole business of reselling is that you're one person reselling a whole mm-hmm. bunch of stuff. So that stops people. Like it's the same thing with iPhones. Like when we. When iPhones launch, you get a bunch of resellers that come in and they buy and they buy one and they go back in line because they're only allowed to get... Actually, I think with iPhones, they let you get like two or something like that. Um, And then they just go back in line and they get two. But the whole thing is they need to go to the back of the line. Apple doesn't stop them from just getting back in line, but... Oh, really? Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, that doesn't really matter, but... um, But, you know, they'll get back in line they'll just get two. But they're still limited to... 
too. So they have a whole bunch of people that go there, but then they spend all day standing in line. So if we actually just limited it to two phones, there would really be no resellers until weeks after the phone's out because there would be no point. They're like, if we can't send like 200 phones back to, you know, whatever country we're going to resell these in, then what's the point of doing that? You know, I mean, um, I could, I've seen a thing where like, but yeah. If they have like friends and family, they just give like a small portion. Like, hey, if you come with me, I'll give you fifty bucks just to buy these with my money. You know? No, that is what they do. Yeah. Like, I talk to those resellers, but still, they're getting hundreds of iPhones when they do that. Right. If you're right, still right. only gonna get one GPU, you know, like, right? That's yeah, gonna have to have a yeah. Lot of and they also <laughs> take your ID when they do that. So oh, they like, do. Yeah. And the resellers, they need to fill. So the the way that works is they have to fill shipments. So they. They go, they have a buyer in whatever country they're going to resell them to, and the buyer says, hey, you need to fill the shipment of 500 iPhones, and we'll buy them for this much. And then that's what they do, and if they don't fill that shipment, then they don't get the money. Mm. And a lot of times you get a lot of people coming to return iPhones to the Apple Store. But for the most part, they'll just find another buyer who will buy a smaller shipment of whatever, but they like tell a buyer that they'll get the bigger shipment. So they need to buy that many. So for graphics cards, if you're going to resell one, like, uh, you know, is it worth it to go and buy one for $200 less than eBay and then sell it to make $200? Like, probably not. And to have, like, eight of your friends do it, like, it wouldn't really be worth it. Like, that's not... Fair. Yeah, you know, that's not a... I don't think a, about the logistics of things. I just kind of... Yeah. Set plans in motion, and then they just kind of go downhill from there. <laughs> well, luckily, the people at Micro Center do think about logistics, and they realize that that would stop people from buying all the graphics cards because resellers. Because also, here's the thing if I could just go in and buy them, why the heck would I work with you and do it when I could just resell my own and make the most money? Is this a rhetorical question? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it just, like, you know, it may, it doesn't, like, that's why it stops them. It's just like there's so many other things at play. Like the reason the other people, well, when you say like I'll just tell my friends and family stuff to come and buy the the iPhones with them, the reason that works is because they don't have the same contacts to sell to buyers. Mm. But a lot of times they do that. So sometimes you have these groups of people that work and the next year they'll be split up and they'll have two separate groups. Like so they know who they are, but then they're like, oh, they're like the competition, you know, because yeah. they split up because someone found a way to find buyers in another country. And they're like, I can make more money if I just do the selling instead of just being someone that stands a line and buys phones. Right. So, you know, they figured it out. Apple got around that by just launching in a lot more countries at once, because the reason that was a huge problem was Apple, when they released phones, would only release them in like, I think at first they first released in the U.S. and then that was it, and you could only get oh. U.S. phones. And then they started to release in like big places, like I think a few places like in Europe, like Germany and the U.K. I know the U.K. is not Europe. Don't come at me. I'm more just saying other places <laughs> in the world that also got launches. So I think like the U.K. and places in Europe, like Germany, um, would launch. But I think the thing that really started to make that not be huge. I think Apple. I think Apple started to release in China on launch day or very close to launch day. So there's really no point in in buying those phones and shipping them because if it was going to release the next week or if it was already releasing on launch day, then there were really no people no, trying to get one to release them. Yeah. There's still like a little bit, you know, but it stopped way more. Like I remember my first launch there uh, was the iPhone 6s and. 
I remember they're like, you know, you're gonna see lots of people. You're gonna see the same people come in, buy two phones, like get backline everything. He's like, those are resellers. Like, you know, they come in, they buy phones, and they ship them other places. And I remember like that year, it was like four or five days after launch. And we still had, like, quite a few iPhones, but we were still, like, running really low. But they'll buy any phone, as long as the phone will work other countries, because Apple actually did a thing where they didn't country lock phones after a certain point, so every model phone worked with every oh. carrier permit, yeah. except, like, the Sprint model didn't work overseas or something like that. That's interesting. So, like, I mean, because I don't know how, how phones work today, if they're still locked by carrier. Yeah, well, there. so, like, every, so that depends, right? So... The thing with iPhones is iPhones for a super long time were never really like they were never hardware locked. It was always like a like a software lock that your carrier put on it. They would lock the IMEI number on your Yeah, okay, because I remember when um And they still do that. When my brother had gotten his very, very country. first iPhone three G and mm-hmm. uh Those had that had to do with antenna band bands for that one. Got it. Because yeah. the guy like there's a guy who is like unlocking his iPhones and he like charges but like an idiot the guy was left his sim card with us it was like an unlocked you know what i mean yeah so the way the old iphones worked is that they had different bands in them so you had like bands that only worked with cdma which was pretty much an american only thing and there was like a couple places like i think there's a few carriers in the uk no actually no uk is i think it's like germany or something like that that uses cdma and every other carrier in the world was gsm and every other character in the U.S. was GSM. So the only two that were CDMA were Verizon and Sprint. Mm. And so if you got a Verizon or a Sprint model phone, your phone was locked to those carriers. And even if you unlocked it, it still wouldn't really work overseas because there were no CDMA carriers okay. in most places overseas. Um, if you had the AT&T and the T-Mobile model, those phones usually would work overseas. But at the time, they were carrier locked and carriers would charge you to unlock them. Uh, I believe there was a that, lawsuit about that because someone said, this is my phone, like it's paid off and I'm moving out of the country, like I should be allowed to do it. So there was a lawsuit and carriers then had to unlock phones for free mm. as long as the person was paid up on their bill and their their you know their phone was theirs. Because the way the subsidies used to work, you had your two-year contract. The reason your phone was locked is so you couldn't leave the carrier right? because right. like you were already paying... For that phone by being locked in that two-year contract. They, yeah. they charged you a fee, and the fee was supposed to go away after your two-year contract, but a lot of times they didn't do that either because they're not supposed to change your plan unless you tell them to. So it actually made sense to always get new phones with two-year contracts. Otherwise, you were overpaying on your phone bill, basically. Um, and so your phone was locked that way. Now, because you can do the two-year installment on phones, that's why your phone's locked, because you're paying the carrier for your phone. Got it. So the reason that if you go to Apple and you do, like, the iPhone upgrade program, or you just buy the phone outright, no matter what model you get, I think still, besides the Sprint model, uh, it works in every other country. The thing is, I think the Verizon and the Sprint models, they might have changed this already, because I haven't been at Apple in a couple years, uh, but I believe the Verizon and Sprint models, while they had GSM bands in them, there were specific bands that certain GSM carriers used that weren't present there. So the phone would work, but it wouldn't be as fast on certain networks I and see. stuff like that. So you said it's still an issue with Sprint models? The Sprint model but phone, I Sprint, like, like, merged, wasn't it T-Mobile or something? So that went through, but they're not fully merged yet, I mm, don't think. So, okay. like, I think they're still working. So, like, this is, there's four major carriers in the U.S., 
There's Sprint, T-Mobile, Verizon, and AT&T. There's technically only two major carriers. There's Verizon and AT&T. Verizon lends their antennas and their service basically to Sprint. So they're like, we have this much stuff. Like, you can use some of our our towers and things like that. Which is why a lot of times, like, the Sprint network matches up to a lot of the towers that Verizon has. And so in a lot of bigger areas, you're using Verizon towers with Sprint that Sprint is, like, renting from Verizon. Um, T-Mobile uses AT&T towers. That's a lot of times why AT&T and Verizon, or AT&T and T-Mobile have similar coverage as well. Because a lot of places you go, there will be towers that T-Mobile is renting from AT&T. T-Mobile also has their own towers and Sprint also has their own towers, but the only reason they're allowed to be the other major carriers is because the government stepped in and the FCC every once in a while will do these bids on Spectrum that you can buy. Um, And the government set aside Spectrum that Sprint and AT&T could bid each other for and that AT&T Verizon had to stay out of. Because, obviously, AT&T <laughs> Verizon would be able to outbid the other two. Right. So in order to make it fair, they set aside things for there. Which, to a lot of people, is very anti-capitalism. <laughs> but, if you only had two carriers, like right now, AT&T Verizon are still technically two of the more major carriers. They still have the most bands, the most spectrum, and they have the biggest um, reach out of all of the places, which is why the government ultimately let Sprint and T-Mobile merge mm. because with all of the spectrum that they have combined, they're going to actually be three actual major carriers instead of just the two big guys and then the two little guys. Got so it. Got it. Uh, I think they're still in the process of merging and stuff like that. I can't remember if like I mean, it got blocked at one point and then like, say, I feel like they been decided different. to not... Mer- well, so they ongoing for like two years now. Well, right? so they decided to actually do. Well, government's slow, <laughs> but they decided to actually sign the deal. I believe. Then they had to wait for the FCC for antitrust reasons to approve the deal, and that took a while. This and then, is actually back in 2018. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We. When, I mean, like, I worked at Apple when that hasn't. I stopped working at Apple in like 2018. So, and I heard that like in the middle of me working at Apple. So that's been a thing since like 2016 that they were talking wow. about merging. And I think they officially announced it in 2018. Um, but I, yeah, I can't remember if they, I can't remember if it's still happening. I think it's still happening, but I have no idea. Um, but yeah, it, it's just better that they're merging because it just makes a little bit better at competition. People are worried, though, because then they think that Sprint and T-Mobile aren't going to be offering prices that are as low as they are compared to the other carriers. And, like, T-Mobile is cheaper than the other carriers. Same with Sprint. But their service is, like, kind of eh. So, like, at this point, like, if T-Mobile has as good service as Verizon and AT&T and their price is lower and more people start moving to there, then Verizon and AT&T will feel like, okay, I can, like, we have to lower our price to match them and stuff right. like that, you know? So that's where you get your competition stuff. So it's going to make for a better competition. Maybe, Maybe. <laughs> having three instead of two doesn't necessarily mean that they're all not going to like. I just feel like sometimes people go with the, the na- name brand that generally speaks for itself, right? Like, Well, not even that. It's more so, like, if you have an oligopoly, like, because three companies still would be considered an oligopoly, like, one company where who's just, like, you know, we're going to charge 200 for our service. And then the other two companies could just be like, you know, if we also charge 200, then we can just like 
make just as much money as them, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So for industries that are like kind of split like that, you know, they could just not try and compete and they could just try and like do what's best for all of them. And then they realize that they can all like do really well. The thing is, I think because AT&T and Verizon are big name brands, T-Mobile is actually going to be a big player in bouncing that out. But if T-Mobile starts to get a pretty good market share of all the phone companies, like they might just be like, okay, well now that we're all even, let's just like price ourselves at the same, you know? Because going from Verizon and AT&T, like people swear by one or the other, they're both the same shitty companies. Like service in one area works better. Like people at Verizon, they're like, Verizon's the best. It works everywhere. And then people have AT&T go, oh, AT&T's the best. It works everywhere. I had Verizon one time and it sucked. And then the AT&T person's like, oh, I had, or the Verizon person's like, I had AT&T and they sucked. You know, it's like, what's yeah. funny is like I had AT&T and I have T-Mobile and I honestly could really couldn't tell you that much of a difference so we can so we switched to T-Mobile and my dad and sister had a lot of issues on their commutes to work because they commute across the state lines and they were having issues on back roads on their way home in places that they had service with AT&T before um, so like they noticed that I haven't noticed any like speed issues or really service issues in most places I go but when you're in like an an urban place like it's really hard to not have phone service with any company it's really like super busy places if their towers are strong enough right so like new york city for instance they have great service from all the places however you actually might not get good speed or service because there's just so many people there right so you'll have five but right so it's kind of like when you're at like a convention or a baseball game or whatever and it's like halftime and everyone's phone doesn't work it's because there are just so many people on their phone or like you know we've gone to like warp tour like really just big yeah concerts and things like that if there's just that many people there because you're only still connecting to the same two towers everybody else you know like there's there's a lot of issues with with connectivity so if you have a carrier that's got better towers, it's more equipped for more people, which is usually the more expensive company, like, that probably happens less. So, like, Verizon, for instance, probably works way better in the city than T-Mobile does. Mm. But, mm. you know, we don't live there. So, like, we live in an urban place where... I live in Canada. Know, I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. <laughs> well, we live in an urban place, uh, or, like, a suburban slash urban place that isn't, like, so densely populated. So we don't really have that issue. <laughs> Because the infrastructure actually works. Right. But, like, they... They legally have to unlock the phones, which is why a lot of people just buy their phones full price. Like, if you buy a full price phone from Apple, it's just unlocked. Uh, even if you put, like, a your carrier SIM in it, you could take the SIM out and just swap it out as long as you pay full price. Uh, which is pretty much what I do with phones, so that way you can do that. So... Once that happened, a lot more people started to, like, ship phones overseas, but then Apple just started launching everywhere, and the reason they did that is so that way they could just use the same phones in all of the different places instead sure. of having to print, like, a Model 4 Europe and then a Model 4, like, China and stuff like that. They just had the same model that worked across all the countries, and then they could just release it, and that's why it's released more places. You still have people that buy because, like, Apple, I think, still puts most of its inventory into the u.s first and then goes to the other places um but you know you only get those people to buy phones for like a week you know because i remember like success launch we did that those phones pretty much all of them worked i think except this <laughs> so we were selling all of them and then like four or five days they were like oh they all stopped coming in Except one guy. There was one guy who was still filling orders. And so we were talking. We were like, oh, why? And he was like, well, now they're available in all the other places. So no one really wants to buy them. And he's like, they're 
pretty healthy stock there too. So like, you know, there's no need to like send him overseas. He's like, I just got one last one that someone's paying for. So, oh. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, since his why is he still there? <laughs> yeah. But I guess right. he just answered my question. I just had to wait and listen. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's definitely interesting just to see like how that's changed because again, like I remember talking cause they were all surprised. I know I was like, Oh, like, why are you guys surprised? They were like, because they used to come in for like months. Like they were like for two or three months, we would have resellers in here buying phones because, you know, they want to sell them overseas. Like, cause even though they launched overseas, cause Apple used to launch phones like maybe a month or two after overseas, even though they were launched, there still was so few of them yeah. that like, they did it, but now Everyone Apple just can want to get their new iPhone fix. Yeah. But now that they all, you know, pretty much launch simultaneously and Apple does like a pretty good job of inventory with all those places. Like we only get them for, or we only got them for a few days. I'm sure it's still the same now. Like we had a pretty big chunk for people for iPhone tens, but around that time there was a, a shortage anyway for, I can't remember if it was for screens or microchips. That's why the iPhone 10 launched. I think launched. it was the screens, if I remember correctly. It totally could have been, but that might be why. Oh, you're right, because the other phone companies were buying from so Samsung, many of, right? Well, because there were only two companies, and one Samsung was LG, LG, the other yeah. was LG. Apple already was helping LG, but LG's factories were way smaller than Samsung's. So Samsung had to split and like max out what you could get. So that's why they, that iPhone 10 launched two months after yeah. the iPhone 8. Um, I actually remember that because my brother um, really, really wanted the iPhone 10 when it came out, and he got it. But yeah, when the 10s came out, get, I got but... the 10s, <laughs> and it wasn't super hard to get. Uh, even though there was a shortage, because Apple made up the shortage by just like waiting until two months later, it was harder to get overseas though. So we had quite a few resellers for right because um, the eight came out and then like. What month and a half later, the ten is like that delayed launch for that reason. Yeah, so the iPhone eight launched and it was available to buy like this like last week of September. It was like September twenty seventh yep. or something like that. I and the iPhone ten came out November like tenth or something like yeah. that. So it was, I can't like, believe you bought them and then still upgraded. I worked at Apple. It I didn't know. really matter. I sold the iPhone eight and I made the exact amount of money I paid for it. So. Did you sell to a family member? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they need a new phone. Because I wasn't going to get the 10. I just had that phone, and he was like, my phone I don't know broke. you say that, but I don't believe that. No, I would have had to <laughs> sell the phone. Like, I mean, like, I had to have got, like, I'm not going to have two of the same no, no, exact, I, like. You, you had said you weren't going to get the 10. No, no, like, I wanted the 10, but I oh. wasn't going to get it until he messaged me, and he was oh. like, oh, I need okay. a new phone. Like, can you get me a discount? And I was like, I could just give you this phone. Like, I just got it a month ago. He was like, okay. And I was like, it's got Apple Care on it. And he was like, cool. Cool. <laughs> and that was it. And he bought it. And he bought my discounted price for it. And then I bought the iPhone 10 for the discounted price. Mm. Um, Must be nice having perks like that. That wasn't that big of a discount. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when it's there, I mean, it's cool. But, like, it's not. I, th I just think it's cool to know that there's, like, a passive kind of. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, per here's the thing. I think Apple, because of their reach, had the most amount of benefits out of any company I ever worked for as far as companies. Like, I had access to hotel brands that we would get discounts from. I got discounts at Disney and at Universal. There were discounts for um, 
concierge services in a number of cities like Chicago, New York. Um, I got I could get discounts on buying a car. Like there were car companies oh, really? that we worked for where there you could get their friends and family discount hmm. if you just walked up and showed this car to them. Yeah, it's a huge company, and you know, so they have that much reach in, in places they work for. And around Christmas time, there are discounts on, you know, um, accessories uh, that other brands will get you. So, like, you know, if there's Bose headphones, they might do a special with Apple where the discount for those is better. So, like, sometimes it'll be like thirty five percent instead of the normal like ten percent you would get on them and stuff. So, like, I remember one year there's a lot of people that were buying the. Phillips Hue lights because we sold the starter pack yep, I for actually... them. And there was a discount for the starter pack that was like 45% off. So I remember having it. Uh, I remember because I had that. I believe that was the like the Hue Go bulb and all that. It was, but that one was a lot less. The Hue Go bulb, I think, was like. Cause I had gotten that as a Christmas present because. Um... Yeah, because we had another friend that worked there, and then yeah. you're, you're... I just didn't... I didn't get the starter pack, though. It was just the bulb. We didn't know it needed the the bridge, so... Well, because they didn't sell that in the start. Like, there was no starter pack with the Go. Oh, So the gotcha. starter pack, you could either get the white lamp starter pack or the color lamp starter pack. The color was two color bulbs, the bridge, and... I see. A... Was it a remote? I don't think it was a remote remote. because, like, it was all controlled from the app. There were four things in there. No, no, the app was still a thing, but I think they had a remote for the, just for, like, turning them on and off. Like, it wasn't to change the color or anything. Um, And then you could just buy the other starter pack, which was the white lamps, and that was two white bulbs, this bridge. I was going to say, I don't mean to, like, interject um, and, like, interrupt your sentence there, but thinking about it now, like, I love the Philips products but why the fuck are they so expensive well they're cheaper now like so we have no, the, like well the philips hue things are different right so the the reason they're expensive is the the let's compare that to the whiz bulbs they offer the same those are also philips though i know <laughs> right but like the philips but they didn't at the same time Hue and then the philip and the whiz bulbs offer the same functionality so the philips bulbs at the time they were the only company that had right. wi-fi bulbs right so that's why you needed the bridge they didn't have a way to build just, in the Wi-Fi connectivity into the bulb at the time. I just don't know why Philips, like the Hue itself, has a like a good fifty dollar price increase over LED bulbs were expensive at the time. No, but still to this day that holds up. The well, it's the app. The app has a lot of connectivity to it. Okay, right, that's fair. The app connects to like TV shows or connects to um like different sensors. Like you can get the room sensor where it'll match the light, or you can pair it with your TV and it will match the lights to the TV show that you're watching. Like the app itself has a lot of connectivity to it, um, as well as having everything connect to the bridge actually makes it more seamless. Um connection with a lot of other home products like Mm. these bulbs are great but they actually don't really pair with any other thing in this house so i can't pair this to i think on google you might be able to pair it with like yeah a command but besides that like and say i know the hue can be paired with siri so but these bulbs that we're using yeah because the bridge yeah Um, i believe google assistant and alexa work for these bulbs yeah um you do that happen to with a shortcut but it's still like that's the limited connectivity. Got it. Uh, again, that doesn't mean that everyone's gonna want the other bulbs. For most people, these bulbs are perfect because they just want to be able to turn it on and off with their phone, yeah. or say, you know, Alexa, turn off my lights, or Alexa, turn on my lights, and that's pretty much it. 
But if you wanted connectivity with your apps or your music or, you know, like I think the Philips Hue bulbs connect with Spotify. You can play the Spotify app through the Hue app and you can sync your music to it. Hmm. Um, I think you can do that with your Hue gun. I don't know. Um, I, I remember downloading a third party app I paid like $3 for. But yeah, I mean, like, syncing these to, like, any other lights as well, like, with light strips and things like that, like, you can do that, but it, the app isn't really built yeah, for that. The app is fair. just, like, a, a set, like... I think right now I have, like, colors. three different, like, lighting apps on my phone, and yeah. it's, like, thankfully I'm not, like, out of touch, and, <laughs> and I know how to use them, but... I believe that the God. Q-Bubs also have an 18-year warranty on them. Oh, do they really? Yeah, so, like, if they ever go out, like, the bulb dies, you can replace them yeah whereas like most led bulbs have like a five to ten year lifespan on I was them i'm gonna say i do remember seeing like a reddit post like years ago where this guy had said he had like 40 something like bulbs and led strips and all that and just like a lot of the comments were like judging this guy for like <laughs> throwing thousands of dollars in but it's like i you know in a sense i get it it's actually probably the more ideal route to go for having a smart home but I, you know, I think that's the one that's holding me back from even buying more of these bulbs. It's just the price because I can't. Justify I mean, these it. are only like fifteen bucks. Yeah, like they're not crazy. Like, I feel like most homes, like where you need to be able to turn them on and off by remote, would be like your bedroom, your living room, maybe like your outside lights. Like if you have like a spotlight under your like on your porch or whatever like you might want to turn that on and off but even then because they're only wi-fi like that's another thing too these are wi-fi but these only work on your home wi-fi mm. so the philips hue and stuff like that i believe you can control when you're not home like you can just connect to the app the app will connect to the bridge and the bridge will send your things i through do remember the... doing that with my google assistant specifically with these bulbs no no with oh the, with, with the, the... yeah yeah, because it works just like the, like, Ecobee or, like, the Nest thermostat and stuff like that. Like, they connect to your Wi-Fi network, but you can control them outside of your yeah. home, which is these don't have the ability to, because I think these just take direction from your router. So if you're not home, you have no way to, like, actually connect to your router to do that, which is what I think they use the bridge for with the, the Hue bulbs. Interesting. But it's really cool that, like, you could do that. So if you had, like, the hue bulbs for, like, your outside light and, like, because I know they even sell hue bulbs that are the bigger, more spotlight um, lights as well. Like so that way light. you can sync them to timers and stuff like that. And hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like, I think I would definitely want, like, a more futuristic home because it's not that expensive. Like, people think it's incredibly expensive, but... All you really need for most things in your house, like your coffee machine, for instance, you don't necessarily need a smart coffee machine. You can just get a coffee machine that you set up the night before and then you plug it into like a special switch and you can get these switches on Amazon or a ton of places. And all it does is like in the morning, it'll turn it on and then that'll just make your coffee pot turn on. There are coffee pots that sync up with Alexa and shit like that, but you who, don't need. Who was it? Um, Bernie, Bernie Burns from Rooster Teeth? He yeah, had, like, he has whole... he had the complete smart home. But the thing is, right, people think that's crazy, but it's really not because the you can get motors for your blinds. Yep. Just a little tiny motor that you can connect to your current blinds that you have. 
And I believe they make them for curtains as well with like a special curtain rod that you I can believe get. I've seen those. And they're not. It's just like a little thing not. that rides on like a track of like a. Yep. The rod itself, and it's but. not incredibly expensive. Like it's more than just obviously opening and closing your blinds and stuff like that. But I think it's more so for like the. Like I have these smart. I use one of these smart bulbs in my room. I still would just get up and turn my light on and off. Like I didn't. I didn't yeah. always like use the remote. Like it's, I don't necessarily think it's a lazy thing. I think it's more of like a cool factor and just sort of living the future like the fact that i could just have it set on a timer that in the morning when i get up at eight o'clock or whatever my blinds open you know like in the kitchen and the coffee pot starts itself it's kind of just more like it's just cool like you know it's not needed for any of that stuff like all that stuff is they're all luxury items in the in a sense of like you don't need them but i mean like you know most things are luxury items like a coffee pot's a luxury (laughs) item you know so it's like it's just like getting to that next step and like doing that stuff because it brings like joy and it's cool to have you know kind of like having an automatic door opener you know it's just like if you have a button that opens your door like you know i'm sure at the time when it first came out people were like you're just lazy just get out and open your garage but it's yeah. like no it's very convenient just to be able to like go up to your door hit the button and then opens now cars have automatic triggers for that when you just pull up to your garage it just opens itself like you know and stuff like that is super just convenient and helpful again it's not needed i could just get out and open the garage with my hands and then stuff like yeah. that but it's just cool to have that stuff it's just convenient so i kind of think that's where a lot of that smart home stuff is next level like we use alexa lights upstairs and so like every day they'll just be sitting down they'll like go to have dinner or whatever and those be like alexa living room lights on you know and the lights just come on so yeah. it's like it's a cool thing to can you can i just say like it. can you imagine if that microphone for alexa is really sensitive and you just turn oh, it on the other do you could be like across the room and <laughs> oh, shout and it no, still won't uh, kick my tripod with my camera it still won't <laughs> pick it up you know i realize i've like sunken down a lot <laughs> <laughs> um But, you know, I, I, I think it's, I think they're really cool advancements, and I think there's a lot of cool things to come. Like, there's a lot of things that I think are super not necessarily because there's no real benefit to them. Like, having your blinds and stuff open is really just more of, like, a cool feeling. Like, you could just wake up and you could just be multitasking, you know? Yeah. Versus, like, the smart fridge that has a camera in it. It's like, that's kind of stupid, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. Or, like, the double tap to see inside your fridge. It's like, just open your fridge, you know? Yeah. like. The amount of money that you're saving by not opening your fridge to see if something's in there or whatever, or, like, to look around before you open it. very minuscule, I'd imagine. Right, compared to the price of (laughs) the the fridge fridge. that you're paying, you know? You're saving, like, $10 over the whole life of the fridge versus the $500 it costs to get the, you know, tap to show or whatever. Right. Um, It's cool. I Like, people were like, when you're at the grocery store, you can, like, look at it and see if you forgot something. It's like, just make a list. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't think I've ever, like, you know had that like there's definitely a fine line between that you know i think there's like some things that are really cool and then some things that just really aren't useful yeah um the whole reason i brought up micro center before <laughs> though and we got on like this gigantic <laughs> tangent uh was because you mentioned balls it happens but there's a drink at <laughs> at uh, a full circle <laughs> yikes there's a drink at and people might know about it at micro center that you can get called balls and it's b-a-w-l-s and it's a drink that existed a long time ago, and then I believe it just stopped existing, and then it came back on, like, a limited run, and then it sold so much that they just started to make it again. And I think that 
it was cool to see that like it really is set for game because balls was an energy or a it was a highly caffeinated soda that was specifically geared towards gamers um and like i think you heard i think it started to go away like in the I feel like 2010s but maybe it was before that um yeah so there was a i guess the ceo or whatever um left the company amidst financial issues and restructuring plans but um let's see the company also was a drink sponsor for quickcon so that's cool yeah that is true i mean it was it was always a gamer drink. but the target audience was bmx racing and paintball players yeah so um, and they're also the sponsor of a national professional paintball league. That's cool. But honestly, the up until yesterday, like when you pointed that out that they've been around for like the last like 10, 15 years, I've never heard of them. When there were really big internet cafes, because that was the thing that kind of went away, and it probably still, it's come back a little bit, but um, when internet cafes were huge, that was a big thing that they sold at those cafes was balls um yeah and i think it just kind of like went away because one internet cafes went away and like i think people just stopped wanting to drink that it became way more about like energy drinks i think and then it split into more healthy things so i think the closest thing that we really have to like a gamer drink now is g fuel and i think the only reason they're as big as they are is because there's so many they sponsor so many people and they have so many affiliates with their program so they have a lot of people, but that is even marketed as like an energy booster that really isn't all about caffeine. And I think it's like lower calorie too, because it's a powder that you mix in your water. And like it, mm. it was more trying to be like a gamer's protein powder, you know, instead of going and buying a soda or whatever. And it was supposed to save you money because you're using your own water and stuff like that instead of buying like these bottles. And you could get your own shaker bottle that had G Fuel and stuff. I've never, well, maybe I have. I can't remember. I thought I might have had G Fuel at one point, but, you know, apparently people do think it's good. You know, there's people that are split on it and think that it's too expensive and whatnot. Um, but I, I thought it was really cool that Micro Center is technically, like, geared towards that crowd. It's really, really interesting because I think there's a lot of people that exist now, you know? Like, it was a very small community like i i remember like when i was like a small child and my cousin was my only avenue to that whole side of things like land parties and like unreal tournament and you know uh playing starcraft and stuff like that like that was all things that i never really was like a huge part of but like he invited me to a bunch of land parties after i built my computer and you know it's with his friends who were all out of college and stuff like that and i'm 12 or 11 but it was really really cool because they're all like one they were some of the nicest people i've ever met in my life like i'm an 11 year old and you're in a room full of gamers but these are like the different gamers you know like they're not the stereotypical <laughs> like we're gonna yell at you because you're bad and stuff like that no but these are these were these were like the like pc like like at that time there was a way smaller crowd because Building your own computer at that point made no fucking sense. Games were not... There were no, like, new AAA games that really supported PC in a great way. They were all console ports. Mm. Um, new games that were being developed were being developed with consoles in mind and controllers and things like that. So, like, mouse and keyboards were awful in, like, every game. Like, the only newer games that were really, like, PC-only... Not even PC-only, just, like, 
Well, I guess StarCraft 2 is PC only. You had, like, World of Warcraft. <laughs> you had StarCraft. And you had, um, like, Battlefield thought about PC players at that time. Because, like, Battlefield 3 and 4 were were pretty well thought out for yeah, PC. Yeah. They were still very console-oriented. <laughs> and there were still some things that they probably... Just funny, considering the game started off as, as a PC game. Beginning. Well, like, if you think about it, most games did. Like, yeah, most games were PC point, yeah. games. You had, like, first-person shooters were PC... Well, no, yeah. I'm trying to think if Doom was on. Sorry, could you say that again? Siri... <laughs> I couldn't hear what you said. Siri loves randomly going <laughs> off. Yeah. Oh, is it your watch that was detecting that? That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Just I think I probably... Yeah, I mean, oh. you make a good point. I am. I talk with my hands a lot, so a lot of times here. I could probably <laughs> turn that off, to be fair. Um... I can't remember if Doom started on PC, but you just had a lot of, like, I know it was on PC, but you had a lot of first-person shooters that started on PC. Um, I think Halo was the first FPS on console that actually utilized the controller, and it made people realize that the controller could be used for first-person shooters, because before that, no one thought that that was a thing that was possible. Cause they were like, how would you do this? This is so stupid. Like, blah, blah, blah. And then Halo came out and people were like, this is incredible. And Halo kind of became the standard for FPSs as far as your controller layout went on the original Xbox. And then it evolved since then in Halo film <laughs> with their controller experience. But for the most part, like that was what made a lot of people realize like you could have an FPS on consoles. Yeah. Um, But it's cool to see a place like Micro Center be tailored towards that crowd because it started as a really small crowd. Like, even when I built my computer, components were, like, not super great. They were kind of expensive because a lot of people didn't really build their own computers. Like, there weren't, like, a, there were options, but it wasn't very, like, consumer-friendly to do. You really had to have the know-how. Like, you had to be... And you really had to do your research. Like, nowadays, it's super easy. Go to PC Part Picker, like, put in all your parts. Yep. Go to Newegg. They have a compatibility thing. Even Amazon doesn't have a compatibility thing, but Amazon will only give you suggestions for pretty much things that are compatible anyway. So hmm. even if you're just going off of, like, you hit a motherboard and it goes, like, here's this RAM, and you just hit the RAM, and then yeah. you go, like, here's or this like, thing, you know? Like I think sometimes they'll pair it with frequently bought together, kind of, you know? Right, and so they have all that stuff, and, like... Nine times out of ten, it's all going to be compatible. Uh, and now you just have way more compatibility across the board, you know? Even just with RAM and stuff like that, it's it's, it's all more compatible, which I'm, like, forever grateful for because it sucked, like, being a small kid and having to, like, think of this <laughs> stuff. Because my dad didn't... My dad liked electronics and computers and stuff, but he was never into building his own computers. Like, he never took it that far. And I had my cousin, but I always hated, like, bothering my cousin all the time if I had computer questions, so... It really just became about knowing how to research that stuff. And it was hard, especially as a like an 11-year-old or 12-year-old, like trying to figure that stuff out. And then it just got easier and easier, and it started becoming more popular. And I would really say like it started to get immensely popular when the next generation consoles came out because you had all these people who at the time were like, I could spend $650 and get a very decent game computer and be able to do things I can't do on these new consoles. Like, one of the biggest things is modding um, games and also have access to games that I wouldn't have otherwise had access to. And I think around that time, there were a lot of companies taking PC more seriously. Hmm. Um, and I think the biggest thing, I think the thing that really, really, really saved PC was Steam. 
like Steam sales, I think in like 2011 is when it really started taking off and people realized they could get these gigantic bundles of games for like $35 yeah. and you could get 50 games, you know? And they were not bad games. They were really, really good games. So if you waited the once or twice a year to do that, you know, you could get a lot of people there. And they were just doing that because it wasn't so big. Like Steam sales now are still crazy good. They're not as good as they were, but that's because there's so many people on PC now that, uh, you know, they yeah. lose so much money. If yeah. that. So, so you know how you said your cousin was like your avenue into like computer gaming? And I was just kind of sitting here like pondering like, like what was mine? And now I'm thinking about it. It was actually RuneScape. And do you, yeah. like it, it sounds corny as it is, but I remember when the game came out, that HD update, the whole graphical overhaul. And I remember very vividly, like, my computer was, like, shit. <laughs> I had, like, this E-Machines computer with, like, a single-core processor and one gigabyte of RAM. Yeah. And, like, I remember it had, like, an integrated graphics card, I think. But it was a very, very shitty one. And I remember, like, messaging one of my friends in there. He goes, oh, yeah, my computer runs fine. Just installed some new RAM. I go, how'd you install RAM? Yeah. And it's like I was bothering him. And it was like, and obviously... If I remember correctly, that person lived across the pond, but it was like, I can't really keep bothering them because, you know, they have their own shit going on and time zone differences. But it was then it was like, OK, I'm just going to start like taking this into my account and just like going out of my way and looking it up and figuring stuff out. And I think it was like, if not later that year, it might have been the year after is when I actually started like buying games like Left 4 Dead for the computer, Half-Life for the computer. Mm -hmm. And then I bought my very first processor, which was not, it was an upgrade from a single core to a dual core. Yep. And um, I did enough research into it and like made sure it was budget friendly because I didn't have a job back then. So um, I think I paid like 60 bucks for it and I made sure it was compatible. So that was, it was always cool. Like that's, that was my way into computer gaming from that point forward. I don't think I've e I have to really think about this. I don't think I've ever bought a processor for the same motherboard that I think every time I've bought a new processor, I've also bought a new motherboard. Like, uh, I've always gotten a different generation. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I don't remember what generation it was, but I think it was called the, like, Intel Yorkfield or... So my first experience York. was in 2007, my... Yeah, Intel Yorkfield. <laughs> my, uh, or 2007, 2008, I think it was 2008, my step-cousin, I was at my cousin's house and they were playing Fallout on the computer, Fallout 3. Yeah. And I was like, that looks awesome. And my cousin was showing me other games on the computer, like I was watching him play CS, uh, I almost said CSGO, but CS Source. And, um, they were playing a game called Supreme Commander, I think, and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that's really, really cool. So there's one game that he showed me called Alien Swarm. And I was like, oh, that game looks awesome. I was like, I should download that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you should download it. It's free on Steam. And I was like, wasn't a that, free game that's that Alien Swarm good. produced by Valve, right? Or published by Valve? I can't remember. I think. I couldn't find that game. It was developed by Valve, yeah, yeah. So it was like, yeah. a, it was like a top it's down. It's a top down yep. shooter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it was free to play. And I was like, this game's free to play. This game looks amazing. He had a ridiculously good computer, so it obviously looked amazing there. Uh, so I went home, I downloaded Alien Swarm, and <laughs> it didn't run on my computer because I didn't have a graphics card. Yeah. I just had integrated graphics on my Intel Pentium. <laughs> so 
I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. And he was like, yeah. He was like, you know, you probably just don't meet the minimum requirements. Yep. But around the same time, I believe I also went and I bought Fallout 3 for... Because I saw videos of people using console commands, and I was like, that seems really cool, because I'd beaten Fallout 3, like, a bajillion times, and yep. going into the dev room with all the different crates and having every single item and just seeing that was cool. I was like, I want to go to the dev room. So <laughs> I bought Fallout 3 for PC, and I went home and installed it. And I, I got born. I made my character. And that was I walked it. around. And it crashed. <laughs> I'm kidding. And then as I was going from a baby to a 10-year-old, it crashed. Oh. Well, so I got through like a... a or maybe it was... Ten, <laughs> it might have been 10-year-old to... No, I think it was when there was a lot of people. So it was like I was being able to play a baby... And I would walk out the door, and then it would crash. As soon as I would walk out the door and it started fading to white, the game would just crash because it couldn't oh, load all the wow. people and stuff like that. And I was like, fuck. So I set everything to low, and it still didn't run, and I was just like, fuck, it, I can't do this. So I like told my cousin, I was like, oh, I can't do this. And he was like, this is probably around Thanksgiving is when I did that. Like That's when I got to play all those games. Because I think for his, his birthday is around Thanksgiving time. So for his birthday, he had people over, and they did like a movie-watching thing. And then he played games with them, so they brought their rigs over. Which I was like, people bring their big computers in here? That's crazy. <laughs> so they brought their rigs over and, and they played. The so that's when I played. I played CS Source with them. Yeah. And I did a 360 op, and I failed. But it was fun. <laughs> and then we played Unreal Tournament, and then I think we played Supreme Commander. And then I had so much fun playing as PC. I was like, this is incredible. Um. You know, when I went home, I texted him. So it was like two days after that when I was back at my house trying to play Fallout 3 and I couldn't. Uh, I was like, I can't play it. He was like, well, you should ask for like your, like for Christmas to like build a computer. I was like, I don't know. It's expensive. And yeah. He was like, I oh, that was well, you know what? Thing, like though, next right? weekend I'll come pick you up and you can uh, hang out here. And he's like, we'll build uh, like your spec sheet and we'll like, we'll find out how much it costs. And then we can like ask your dad if you could do that. And I was like, okay. So he picks me up. We go to back to, at the time he was living with my aunt. So we went back to my aunt's house and I spent the weekend there. And we looked at, that was the funnest weekend I think ever. Because I think that weekend we, we, we did the spec sheet. But then we went to visit his mom. Because uh, he's technically my step cousin. We went to visit his mom. We went to this really amazing place that sells like ridiculously good bacon, egg, and cheese. I have no idea where it is either. And <laughs> I'm like, I, he doesn't remember. <laughs> so I just like, it, they're so good. And I can't remember where it was. And then we also went and looked at cars, I believe, as well. And then, like, and we test drove some. Um, and well, I didn't because I was 10. <laughs> but he Not test drove some and I sat but... in the car. And then. Uh, we built that spec sheet, and then we played more video games and stuff like that. And I think that was the first time I played Portal because I didn't have it on the Xbox. Um, wait, when did Portal come out? The first Portal was it two thousand two thousand seven? I think. Okay, then yeah, he had it. Okay. Um, um, I was gonna say it's funny because uh, you're talking about like not meeting like the requirements for computers before. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the first step of how I found out, like, I needed a new graphics card. And I really tried convincing myself my computer was good back then. <laughs> so I... Because it, it was, like, an NVIDIA 40-something SE, like, integrated yeah. graphics. And it was so bad because, like, I was playing Left 4 Dead on the lowest settings. And any game that particle effects, like, would literally fucking tank the FPS on the computer. 
and specifically in Left 4 Dead, the fire, which is a single sprite that stays yep. still. <laughs> so, hey, it's surprised it didn't crash. A lot of times those games no, crash. No, I'm, I'm amazed that. too. But, but like playing Trouble in Terrace Town when they, there were smoke grenades, um, my computer just like freeze. <laughs> so I already knew the differences because my parents divorced when I was young and I, we would spend like the day after school at my mom's house and then we would spend the nights at my dad's house because that's where we actually like lived and had our stuff and whatnot and then we would switch weekends Mm -hmm. and they both had home computers they both needed home computers so we could do our homework and stuff like that so we you know they both had desktops um well i've never used the computer so it was like never in use so me and my sister had a share but she also like was always on her phone so which i i guess i had a did i have a phone i might not have had a phone yet when this happened but i think in 2005 I got a Star Wars collections, uh, like game collections box set, and it came with Kotor one, Kotor two, Republic Commando, and Empire at War, which is the RTS. And I remember wanting to play um, Empire at War, and on my my dad's computer that was here, it was a little bit older because we just it, we had it in the house already, and. I kept, it kept crashing at this one level because as soon as you loaded in, there were just too many enemy units on the thing <laughs> and it would crash. But at my mom's house, I could play it. And because my mom's house, it had its own graphics card. Like it didn't have integrated, oh, it had its own graphics card. It was a shitty, like probably like 128 megabytes of RAM graphics card. Yeah. But it still had its own graphics card. So it was a little bit more powerful. So I was able to actually play KOTOR 1 a little bit on it before it would crash halfway through. Uh, but that's what made me realize at that time that, like, the different computers actually mattered for your, your specs. And I was able to actually look at the spec sheet on the back. I didn't really know what any of the specs were, but I kind of knew what was in the computers enough to do that. So I was a little bit, like, technologically savvy when it came to that. Uh, but that's around the time I wanted to build my own computer. But I didn't have anyone in my life that actually, like, knew how to do that. So my stepdad introduced me to his uncle. He was like, he builds his own computers, but he would build computers for, like, corporations, which they don't do anymore. So he was, like, he was retiring. But he was hired by corporations to build their systems for their employees. And now he's retired because that's not really a job anyway. <laughs> but, um, you know, so he introduced me to Tiger Direct. So I would always go on Tiger Direct and look for computer parts and stuff like that. I was actually like just looking that up. I guess yeah. they're also known as, like, CompUSA at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I looked at Tiger Direct and I would look at parts and stuff all the time. And I was like, oh, like I have no idea what any of this stuff is. And he was like, oh, well, we'll go talk to my step uncle. Or I was, my stepdad was like, we'll go talk to my uncle all the time. And that never really happened. Um, so I was like, okay, whatever. And then when I got, like, when I met my step cousin, we started bonding and everything. Like, I spent that weekend there and we looked at specs and he was like, well, what do you think they can afford? And I was really trying to think. I was like, if everybody in my life. <laughs> contributes to this like if i ask my grandmas and my my mom and my dad and my aunts and uncles and like everyone that's going to give me a gift if i just ask them to give the money to my parents or like give money to my parents for this gift what could i afford and i was like well what can we do that's like pretty cheap that we can afford he was like well he's like there's some stuff that i'll be able to give you because he had a bunch of loaner parts and stuff and extra parts which is like my life now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. So he, he well, I do that because of him. So like when I give, like I, I gave Ram to Jesse, like I've given like coolers to Leah and like. You gave me a 500 watt power supply and I like knew you for like a month. <laughs> I gave Jesse a power supply. I gave Leah a power supply. I gave Leah a cooler. 
I know a lot of, like, it's just, if I have that stuff, I'm never going to use it, and reselling a lot of that stuff, especially if it's open and it's, like, kind of older, doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I could sell that power supply, I could have gotten, like, 20 bucks for it, or I could have just given it to a friend that needed a power supply, and I keep stuff as backups, you know, because a lot of times that's that stuff's coming handy. It's all because of him, because he did that, because he was the same way, unless he had, like, if he needed money or he had a crazy amount of extra stuff. There were some points where... Because he's also pretty handy at, like, someone's getting rid of something, and he's like, oh, you're just going to throw that out? And they're like, yeah, and he'll, like, strip the graphics card and stuff like that. So there's one point where he had enough components to just, like, make a bunch of computers. So yeah. he made a bunch and just sold them to friends after having a LAN party with them. <laughs> but, um, you know, we sat down. We, like, looked at stuff. So we looked at an Atheon. There was Atheon and there was Proteon. Or was it Proton? I can't remember for AMD. Dude, I, that was never with the AMD crowd, unfortunately. Yeah, well, you're wrong. Because back then, it was great. Back then, AMD was still kind of like it is now. It was your best bang for your buck. And like then they fell down, and it became Intel was best bang for your buck because it was just way better. And then with AMD coming out with Bulldozer, it sucked. <laughs> and then uh, high-end was still better for Intel back then. But now, AMD's pretty good for best bang for your buck, and it's actually really, really good high-end as well. So, we're, we've come full circle. AMD Athlon? There's the Athlon, and then there's another one. I don't oh. know why that was Atheon. It starts with a P. Like, Phenom? Phenom. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um. So, there's, there's Athlon and Phenom. I, yeah, that sounds that's ringing so many bells, but like, so I think I think Anthon yeah, was actually right. better. So we we went with a dual core Phenom, but it was clocked at like two point nine or something like that, which is crazy high. For yeah, a, a fucking processor back then, dual core four gigs of RAM because back then that's literally all you needed. Like there, he was like, "There's no games that ask for more than like two at the time." No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, around that was probably around the same time you were doing that. To be fair, when I was building this, yeah. where you were you were having those thoughts. Think, huh? So, um, so we went with four gigs of RAM. He's like, he's like, "You're never gonna need more." Boy, if you do need more, like you could always add it in later. You could ask for it for your birthday and stuff like that. I was like, awesome. Uh, power supply. We went with like a 450 watt power supply. We found a case. So I went with this. I can't remember. I think it might have been a Cooler Master, but they were a cube case. So if you know what it is, someone tell me. But I can't remember what they were. But they were Cooler Master. They were cubes. Um, it was a micro tower as well. Um, it was awesome. It had a handle on it too, because that was my one thing. I was like, I'm, if I get this, I'm gonna want to bring it back and forth between my parents' houses for weekends where was I was at. Cooler Master or Thermal Take? It could have been... Th- well, Thermal Take does them now. Uh, but I don't know if Thermal Take did them back then is the thing. I, I'm trying to remember the logo on the front. I think it was a Cooler Master logo. Um, it was really cool. Um, and so we ordered... Or we didn't order this yet. We were just looking at it. So we found this case. It came with a power supply, but he was like... This is where he was actually teaching me. Like This is where I started learning about stuff. Like He was teaching me about the you know, uh, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum, yep. uh, 80 plus. He was teaching me about 12 volt rails. Cause that's what you'll use for hard drives and things like that. He's like, you want something that has two instead of one. Um, you know, he was teaching me about like 
having a brand name versus having a not brand name and like looking at reviews and everything. So like he was really, really good at teaching me about it, not just like building it for me or whatever. Like he actually like was teaching me about what all these specs were and like what they did and stuff like that. And as a 12 year old, I always felt very intimidated being around him and his friends because they knew all this stuff and they would talk about it kind of like we do now, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> the way we go back and forth with it. Like I'm sure there's other people that have no idea what we're talking about and they might feel intimidated by it. Um, but that's definitely how I felt being around them because they would like throw the stuff back and forth. He had friends that were building microchips though and building their own PCBs and things like that. So, you know, like putting their own transistors and things like that. So I still felt, even like once I knew about computer components, I still felt like intimidated by being around his friends because they were, they were like super smart. Um, but so, you know, we built that spec sheet. We got a, a CD drive because back then you needed one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that was like 20 bucks. I think he had a hard drive, but we might have gotten another hard drive anyway. So he, we got a 500 gig, 7200 RPM drive, which was expensive back then. Um, it was, I think I said it was 500 gigs. And then, um, trying to go what oh and so we spent the most money on the graphics card obviously so we got a 6850 radeon card which was the most expensive but again that was the best bang for your buck so when we built that i could run any game on a high like any game that i thought of playing <laughs> i could play on high like or ultra like i couldn't play every game on ultra but i could pretty much play any game that we had on high but it comes like, down no to the question what can it run crisis it could run Crisis. We ran <laughs> Crisis 1 very nicely. Uh, probably on medium, to be fair. But, <laughs> I don't think, um, like, yeah. Even the top-end computers. But I wasn't playing, like, any game that I was going to play, like, I was I was excited to play Fallout yeah. 3. Um, and then obviously, you know, at the time, he had some games that were pirated that I got to download and play as well. Um, but, yeah, so it was definitely, like, really, really cool to do that so we made that spec sheet and then he was like okay let's like go talk to your dad and i was like but like you're gonna help me build it right because like i don't he's not gonna let me do it like it's there but i was like we say that like i'm gonna learn how to build it like it's educational they're like coming up with a scheme to like make sure that like <laughs> nice. it made sense yeah and i think the total cost of that computer was like 689 or something or like 670 or something like that yeah and that was like everything that was like case power supply ram um we were just gonna use the stock cooler um CD drive, hard drive, everything that we were going to need. And so we go and talk to him and I was like, so like, I want to talk to you. Cause like, I want to talk about like my Christmas gift. Like, you know, I haven't asked for anything and like, that'd be really cool if like we ask everybody to pitch in to do this, like grandma and mom and everyone. And so I asked him and he was like, okay, like, we'll see, like, we'll talk to, you know, everyone will see if they can just buy any of the specific things. We'll get it all shipped to you and then we'll do that. And so for that year, that was my Christmas gift. Nice, nice. And I think the final thing was once we actually got it, I got that stuff. I can't remember if I got it on Christmas or after Christmas. It might have been like a week before Christmas. So I went to back to uh, my aunt's house and we sat there. And the only thing I didn't do was put the processor in because it's an AMD processor, so the pins are on the processor. Yeah. So it's the thing that's like the easiest to fucking break, and he didn't want me to break it because he's like, you'll be really upset. We bought everything from Newegg back then, by the way. So my cousin was the one that introduced me to Newegg because back then that's where he pretty much bought everything. Um, And so that's when I started like looking everywhere on Newegg for stuff. But that's where everything was pretty much the cheapest too. Yep, yep. Um, and so 
We got everything he put the processor in, but he still had me like close the latch. He had me put on the thermal paste. He had me put on the cooler. I put the RAM in. I put the uh, power supply in and cable managed. That was the only time I ever cable managed after that. I just never do it. <laughs> but like I actually cable managed because it had, it was, uh, it was a plastic clear case that had like, that was built into metal, but it was all one piece. So all three sides of this piece that came off were all clear so you could see in the top and this end in the side so he was like we gotta make it look nice um but that was cool too because when you would take that off the whole like this whole thing would slide out from the side so you could like build your whole computer and like slide it back oh that's interesting it was cool um and that was cool and then um while we were there we finished building. We started looking at cool cathodes, which we eventually bought. I had blue. I was cool cathodes. I was curious about that those. Because those are essentially like um, neon signs. Pretty much. Or like mini neon signs. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what they are. Yeah. Just like <laughs> tubes. Interesting. I was always looking at those, but I was like, I'm never going to do it. Cause... Well, because we, we ordered them from like China. At the time, so I didn't like have a case that had... Uh... <laughs> well, so these had the windows, right? And the coolest thing about this case is in the corners... Where the where the corners met on the case, it was uh, just the black case. It was just black metal. Yeah. So we were able to hide them there. So you just saw this blue illuminate from the side. It yeah. Was cool. Because uh, there was really yeah, no I, there was really no <laughs> RGB back then. Yeah. Yeah. There was really yeah. There was like nothing that was RGB at the time. You had stuff that lit up. So like I also he gave me fans as well because that case had a lot of room for fans. Like it could have. It had two front fan. It had either two or three front fans. I think two beneath where the 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 CD drive came out. And on the back, I think you could have four fans, and I think the bottom could actually have a fan too, if I remember. Like yeah, it was a really weird case. So anyway, the the case came with one fan, and then obviously the power supply had its own fan, and then he gave me a fan that glowed blue. That's why we went with blue cool cathodes because he was like, this one already lights up. But that was it. You could just buy fans of the color you wanted. You couldn't buy like, right, RGB yeah. fans, which is crazy to think about now because everything's RGB. Yep. It's really not that much more expensive. Um, so we actually built it. We didn't have any issues. Like it posted right away, I'm pretty sure, which is surprising. Um, we installed Windows with the CD. Oh, we had to buy Windows too. Oh. That was the thing. That's why it became more money. Cause like he was like, I mean like I normally wouldn't do that. He's like, I just pass the same Windows key everywhere, you know. And he's like, for new rigs, I'll just not do it. And whoever uses it, they'll pay for Windows. But you know, we're building. My dad was like, no, no, no. Like you need to buy Windows. So <laughs> we're like, oh, like okay. So we bought Windows. So we had the disc. So we installed it. Um, I think when we did that, because we went to Best Buy to do that. I'm pretty sure. No, actually, we ordered that on Newegg. I lied because it was cheaper. So that came, we installed Windows. My cousin let me use his mouse and keyboard. And then he gave me a mouse and keyboard. Or he gave me a mouse. And then I used a shitty old keyboard. And it was a, a mouse that had no buttons on the side. And I think it still had the ball. <laughs> it was still the trackball. Mm. So when we got back home, my dad was like, the day after Christmas was like, I'll buy you like one last thing. Like, let's go and we'll buy a, like a mouse and keyboard for you. So we went and I got like an HP combo like mouse and keyboard it was really cool i love that keyboard still to this day that was probably my favorite keyboard it wasn't mechanical it was mesh 
it's still the best keyboard I ever had. It, like, typed really well. I could play games with it really well. Like, it was awesome. <laughs> I didn't need, like, anything fancy. It was fantastic. Um, but it was really cool to be able to do. Like, I'm really happy my dad did that because after that, like, that's what really got me into every job that I've had. Like, the reason I worked at Best Buy is because I was super into computer. The thing that got me the job at Best Buy in the computer department was because... I knew computer hardware yeah, and I knew about software and stuff because I was able to mess around with it on my own. This guy computer. can make a lot of sales. <laughs> and well, exactly right. Cause at least they're like, well, he knows what he's talking about. So when these people ask questions, like he can actually steer them in the right direction and actually knows what the heck he's talking about. Not just what some of the employees pretend to know. Mm. Um, and same with Apple. Like I got the job at Apple because like I had the willingness to learn and because of like, me knowing about computer hardware and the way I had to learn about computer hardware because I didn't want to bother my cousin, I, like, knew how to look things up and, like, knew where to look and knew, like, what to read and what made sense and, like, how to interpret that data. So that's really what got me the job at Apple. And then, like, I'm working as a help desk person now, and that's pretty much what got me the job now is because I'm super into technology and, like, I know how to look stuff up and I know where to find the info. And then I can commit that to memory and, like, you know... If my dad had just said no, I would not have done any of that. <laughs> you know, like I wouldn't yeah. be into computers. Like I wouldn't have built so many computers. Like I think at this point I've I've rebuilt my own system like a dozen or two times. I've built like probably a dozen or two computers for friends, family, and extended friends. <laughs> um and then I've just repaired a whole bunch of people's computers too now. So I think it's really cool. But I think we're out of time. Are we? Yeah. Do you have anything else to to say? Um, I just want to say, like, if anyone who is actually ever curious in getting into computer building... Don't do it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> or do, do it. it. There's a lot of informative videos on there. It's not as intimidating as you think. It is so much less intimidating now than it, than it was back then, and I'm so grateful for that because I think everyone should have the joy Yeah, of and then, like, that final first, it. like... That final second where you flick on the power supply and turn the computer on. And, everything and it works. doesn't work. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. But I mean, there's always going to be problems and stuff like that. But I think the really great thing is the from all of those problems. Like today, I was building a computer. Motherboard's dead on arrival. I'm pretty sure. Or maybe we broke it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm like 99% sure that it actually is just dead on arrival, which happens with certain motherboards. Um... But the whole reason I knew all of the things to test and try and everything like that is just because it had happened before, you know? So, like, even if you have mistakes while you're building computers and stuff like that, like, it's still all, it's all helpful. Um, it's helpful even for people that don't build computers. Like, that knowledge becomes helpful to other people because you sort of can learn what all that stuff means, you know? Like, if you put your RAM in and you didn't seat it properly and you hear this thing, when someone else's RAM stick comes loose, you're like, oh, it's probably the RAM because, like, I know what that postcode means or I know like what it going through this, you know, uh, like power cycling pattern means or things like that, you know? So it's all knowledgeable. There's tons and tons and tons of videos. Find your favorite creator yep. who does it. And they'll usually have good information, tons of forums like Tom's hardware and stuff like that, that have really great forums for figuring out. Like one of the reasons I figured out was the motherboard, was just because I looked up on Terms Hardware and I was like, is it? Because I was like 99% sure, but I was like, maybe someone else has another idea. Uh, and I've had those forums like save whole builds before. 
So yeah, you don't need a friend across the pond or a cousin or anyone to get you into it. Like just the internet is a super helpful place. And, uh, you know, for the most part, everyone's just super friendly when it comes to asking questions and all these forums are full of people that just love solving mysteries and answering questions. So, you know, if there's any time to start, it's now besides because of the graphics card shortage, <laughs> but if there's any time to get into computers, like as far as for gaming wise, like companies are super invested in doing a lot of things for PC, like it's becoming a very viable market. And so now you have PlayStation figuring out how to capitalize on PC players. So that usually is just better and better for PC players as more and more stuff comes out for it. So, um, yeah. So yeah, with that being said, go build a computer and have fun. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, buy pre-built. Like, don't let anyone, like, gatekeep that either. Like, if you want to play games, you could buy pre-built, too. You don't have to have a computer know how to do that. So. That is true. Um, my name's Beta. My name is Jesse. And this was Two Idiots on a Giraffe. Uh, we will be back next week uh, with more stuff. Probably not knowing what to talk about, because that's usually how every episode goes. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good one.